Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. This should be a good one today. We're going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets Los Angeles Lakers game that went on last night. We're also going to be talking about the All Star selections, the Western and Eastern Conference. Was Damian Lillard snubbed and much more? And let's get into it. We're starting off talking about Lakers and Nets. Obviously, people want to know my take because I've been super high on both the Lakers and the Nets, Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. Obviously, no Kevin Durant, no Anthony Davis for this game. We're going to break everything down and see what really can we take away from this potential NBA Finals preview. And I really think that people try to overreact and and kind of overthink this game at times. This game simply came down to the Lakers a team that's slumping from behind the arc, going up against a red-hot Brooklyn Nets team who is shooting the three at a historic rate. While L.A. couldn't get any production from their role players outside of Kuzma, the Nets had two others in TLC and Joe Harris that outshot the entire Lakers squad from three. 11 out of 15, those two players shot from behind the arc versus 8 of 30 for the Lakers. It took them double the amount of shots to not even get to 11 made threes, which those two got alone. Brooklyn as a team hit 10 more threes in the Lakers, and it was definitely an impressive win for the Nets holding the Lakers to under 100 points. People are quick to talk about, oh, they don't play any defense, but these smaller lineups allow them to do more switching, and all they really have to worry about is getting the stops in the critical moments because this team can outscore any team in the NBA. And they can really outscore damn near any team that's ever played this game. When you talk about the offensive weapons, the unguardable players that they have on this squad, guys like Kyrie Irving, guys like Kevin Durant, who didn't even play, but also a James Harden too. These are guys that get buckets at a high level. And when they're playing together, they're going to be even more efficient and effective. But they have others too, Brooklyn does, that can knock down shots and space the floor, as we saw again last night. So the combination of that and the ability for those unguardable offensive weapons to generate more open looks for those others is going to make their job even easier. And then they added defensive specialists like Iman Shumford and Andre Roberson, who barely even saw the floor. Roberson saw some garbage time minutes, but no minutes really for Shumpert. Uh, so they're getting help on the defensive front and their best defender, Kevin Durant, didn't even play in this game. If they have another rebounding big uh, or defensive rim protecting big, this team is going to virtually have no weakness at all. Maybe a guy like Andre Drummond is someone that could potentially get on the market. They could go out and acquire. JaVale McGee has been another name that's been thrown around. If they can get another big man, that's going to go a long way to making the Brooklyn Nets probably the favorites to win the NBA championship at this point in time. They're already right there neck and neck with the Los Angeles Lakers. But speaking on the Los Angeles Lakers, even like we said last year, they won't be able to win if their depth doesn't show up. And the recipe for success for the Lakers last year was LeBron and AD being the clear-cut best duo in basketball. Star power is an advantage that the Lakers have had against every team in the NBA both this season and last season, until the Brooklyn Nets, who had the second-best duo in all of basketball, added another superstar in James Harden. It went from, okay, LeBron James is the best player in the league. AD is the best big man in the league, even though he really hasn't been playing like it. We're going to get to that later. But that's the best duo in basketball. And then KD and Kyrie, with their offensive firepower, what they were capable of, I put them at number two before the season. 
Now that said, I mean, now you add James Harden into the mix. He's arguably the second best player, probably is the second best player on this team. And you have Kyrie as your third option now. And now that trio of Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, there's just more star power out of those three guys than there is with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So that's an advantage that the Nets are going to have now against every team in the league that the Lakers had before. And the Lakers are going to have to look to other things to try to get an edge on the Brooklyn Nets. They need those other guys to separate themselves from Brooklyn's others while LeBron James and Anthony Davis impose their will, taking advantage of the mismatches that they have against this defense. LeBron James can get to the rack at will against most teams in the NBA, especially against the Brooklyn Nets, even with their switching defense. We saw that last night. LeBron James basically got wherever he wanted to on the floor. He did typical LeBron James things. Now, if Anthony Davis was on the floor, he would look to do similar things. We've seen him struggle a little bit this year compared to his standards. He's not an all-star starter for a valid reason. Even if he was healthy, he would be at best coming off of the bench. Uh, and, and really, we expected him to build off of that incredible playoff run last year, but it seems like he's taking the approach of kind of coasting a little bit, came in a little bit out of shape, and he's just not aggressively dominating on a night-in, night-out basis. But we expect that to be what Anthony Davis is in the playoffs, barring the whole injury concerns with potential Achilles and whatnot. That's really the biggest worry and concern for the Lakers right now, making sure Anthony Davis is healthy and ready to dominate. Because when we looked at these two teams on paper, that was really the main thing that people were saying, okay, the Lakers still have a chance. They still are probably the favorites to beat the Nets because Anthony Davis going up against that lack of interior defense from the Nets, he's going to be able to eat. And we didn't get to see that because obviously AD and KD are not healthy for their respective teams. Now, talk about Dennis Schroeder. This is a guy that was the runner-up for Sixth Man of the Year. I believe he should have won Sixth Man of the Year, and I honestly believe he is the third most important player on the Los Angeles Lakers roster. He's the point of attack in terms of on-ball defense from the guard position. He would have been guarding a Kyrie Irving. That would have been interesting to see that dynamic between those two guys and He's really another guy that can create his own shot off the dribble. He can run the pick and roll and really be another ball handler out there on the floor, another playmaker. So LeBron James doesn't have to do all the playmaking responsibilities. And that's why a lot of people said the Lakers were a better team than they were last year, adding guys like Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. They're the number one ranked defense in basketball. Their defense hasn't really declined to that level. When AD's out there wrecking havoc at a defensive player of the year caliber level, Marcus Saul's pretty good on the interior, although he doesn't have much of a, a fit with this series because the Nets are going to go small a lot, so he's going to be pretty much unplayable for the majority of these playoffs if these two teams are the matchup. But the defense is still there, but they now have a little bit more depth than they did, actually a lot more depth than they did last year coming off the bench, but we just did not see that whatsoever last night. So my main takeaways from the Lakers and the Nets game is Brooklyn's style of play remains very similar without Kevin Durant. Obviously, they're still much better with him, but the Lakers are stylistically a completely different team with Anthony Davis. As I said before, they're going more into the post. They're using their size mismatches 
LeBron and AD's two-man dynamic is very different. Uh, even a guy like Dennis Schroeder being at the point of attack, it just provides them a different look, whereas the Brooklyn Nets are a team that's going to use their three unguardable offensive weapons and just tell them to go to work and make things happen. Those guys can make plays for themselves and make plays for others. Obviously, Kevin Durant is about seven feet tall, so that's a whole another dynamic in and of itself with his size. And defensively, he would make a big impact, but they play the same style of play. They're going to play a lot of isolation basketball, uh, and they're going to play a lot of those guys just going to work, and then the shooters are going to be open for shots because of those guys' attention. The attention the defense is going to have to place on those guys. So it's going to be the same type of style, but the Lakers are going to come out with a little bit of a different stylistic game plan with Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder in there. Brooklyn has depth, and they can get critical stops. This has been the narrative surrounding the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, they don't play any defense. They can get some critical stops and critical moments. James Harden in the post is not that bad of a defender. He's actually a pretty good post defender. Kevin Durant, oh, he's not going to be quite the same defender he was in Gold State. He's still going to be a really, really good defender. And you have guys with the versatility. They have Jeff Green. And like I said before, with Roberson and Schumper, guys can go out there and play some defense. And then obviously the depth, TLC hitting some big shots, Joe Harris hitting shots, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, even a guy like Tyler Johnson has been stepping up, playing some good basketball for them. Landry Shamit. They have guys that can come out there and contribute, and you don't need as much depth as some of these other teams may have when you have three superstars in this super team with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Next, LA's inconsistency from behind the arc continues to be a concern. Catavius Caldwell Pope is in an extreme shooting slump. Wesley Matthews, it was kind of weird watching him play. He seemed like he wanted to go into the post. A little bit, even though he should be knocking down threes for him, especially if they're going to be in the starting lineup over Alex Caruso. Caruso even is not hitting the threes at the same level. Even the guy like LeBron James is not hitting the three ball. Anthony Davis, when he's healthy, not hitting the three ball quite consistently enough. They can have hot stretches where they are looking crazy from three. At one point, LeBron James was shooting 40%, over 40% from three-point range. They both need to be more consistent. The whole team needs to be more consistent from behind the arc. They need to have guys that they can rely on to knock down shots when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are putting pressure in the defense, attacking the basket, going to the rim. Schroeder's the third most important player for the Los Angeles Lakers. I said that before the game. I've said that pretty much all season ever since they acquired Dennis Schroeder. I believe he deserves a six-man of the year over Montrezl Harrell last year. Now both are on the Los Angeles Lakers. I think Schroeder's dynamic. Is more important than Trez, but even Trez, too, is still a very important member of this team. He needs to play better in these type of games. And then the final and probably the biggest takeaway of them all is that the Los Angeles Lakers and Brooklyn Nets are still by far the two best teams of basketball. I've been saying that even before the Nets got James Harden. These teams are just so dynamic. They have so much star power, firepower, and they can really do a lot of things that make opposing teams fearful, as they should. So that's my thoughts on the Lakers Nets. Again, it does not mean that a certain team is definitively winning the championship because we saw what we saw last night. They're going to look what differently come playoff time. Uh, but it was interesting to see those guys go at it. And it was a pretty entertaining game, even though the Nets were comfortably in control for the majority of the night. Next, we're going to be talking about the NBA All-Stars, the Western Conference and Eastern Conference selections. Let's go over it. The Western Conference, Luka, Steph, Braun, Kawhi, and Jokic. The East, 
Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. And to me, the forward spots were locks. There was no doubt that six of those guys are going to get in. They deserve to. Steph Curry was a lock. Now, I believe Kyrie deserved to be a lock with how efficient he's been with great volume. But the two controversial picks were Bradley Beal and Luka Doncic. And everybody is tripping over Luka making it over Damian Lillard. But I think it's far more clear that Harden deserved the nod over Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is leading the league in scoring, which is his claim to fame this season. 33 points per game, shooting 53% from two, 34% from three-point range, and 90% from the line. He's also giving you about five rebounds and five assists, but his Wizards are the 13th seed out east. People excuse the record in seeding for Beal when his team is 9-17 and 17 in the weaker Eastern Conference, but then they say record is why Luka shouldn't be a starter in the West. Luka's averaging 29-9-9 on 55% from two, 33.5% from three, and 79.5% from the line, with a slightly higher effective field goal percentage than Beal. His team is 13-15, and 15, putting them at 10th in the West, which this year qualifies you for a spot in the play-in tournament. Frankly, I don't think records should be used against either player that much because they're putting up relatively efficient numbers for their volume of production, while clearly not being the reason for their team's rough start with other factors like health and COVID being very significant. From Beal and Harden, we've seen Harden lead the league in scoring several times, <clears throat> but on a stacked Nets team, he's taken a back seat, averaging 24 points per game, putting up nearly 12 assists a game, while having the best efficiency of his career with 50-40-90 splits. The Nets are the two seed out east. Meanwhile, Dame is playing MVP-level ball, averaging 30 with eight assists on very good efficiency. The two main arguments for Dame being over Luka are his ridiculous three-point shooting at 38% from distance on about 11 attempts per game. Just think about that. That is absurd. And the fact that his team is in the fourth seed despite their injuries. But people will forget that Dame started the season a bit rough or inconsistent, to say the least. In the 13 games CJ played, people were saying he was deserving of his first All-Star nod himself, arguably playing better or on the same level as Dame for that stretch. Luca's argument over Dame would rely on his all-around game, his playmaking edge, rebounding, and his much-improved defense, while giving you practically the same scoring production with his efficiency, not really being that far off. I don't mind either of the guys getting this, but you guys got to stop saying that either of them was robbed if the other one was very, very close in terms of their production and their arguments. It's like, okay, Damian Lillard has a better record. Like that's the main, at the end of the day, that's what you're arguing. You're arguing Luka's in the 10th seed, but Dame's in, in the fourth seed or whatever. But literally within a week's time, the standings can look completely different. These games, these leads that they have in terms of seeding are not that significant. Uh, I mean, four and 10, that's still pretty significant. It's like a five game differential, but I mean, things can change in a very short period of time, especially with games being postponed, rescheduled, whatever, due to COVID. I think they're both having elite, incredible seasons, and they're both deserving. It doesn't really matter who starts at the end of the day. It just reads all-star. doesn't really say whether you're starting or coming off the bench. So you got to give both of these guys props for the great seasons that they're having and just leave it at that at the end of the day. If anything, I'd rather – the Bradley Beal, James Harden discussions, I think Harden is more deserving uh, of getting into the starting spot over Bradley Beal. I think that one's a little bit more clear cut to me. But again, 
even a guy like Bradley Beal, who was snubbed for making the All-Star game completely last year, I'm happy that the fans and the media to everyone uh, is on board with getting them in, and he's having a great season in his own right. That's going to do it, though, for me. I appreciate you all for rocking with me. This is a good episode. We got to talk about the All-Stars. We got to talk about big-time game with the Nets and the Lakers. I'm out, y'all. Peace.